A well-regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad to have you with us on the uh, program today. And I got to rant just a little bit here. (laughs) I don't normally do this, but, you know, every morning I wake up, Actually, every night before I go to bed, I, I you know, check the uh, the Googles and the uh, internets for the latest Second Amendment news and information. Do it again in the morning. And I saw a couple of headlines today that, that really took me back. I thought for a second maybe I had, I had missed a, a big development in terms of uh, the world of the Second Amendment, the, the Supreme Court taking a Second Amendment case. Uh, look at these headlines here. This is from the Daily Caller. Justice Barrett's vote already looking to be decisive and first big gun rights case in years. Uh-huh. Uh, and then you've got, uh, let's see, this is Vanity Fair. Amy Coney Barrett already tipping the scales in crucial SCOTUS cases. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, did I did I miss something? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good about following what's going on in the Supreme Court in terms of our Second Amendment rights. And the answer is no. I, I did not miss anything. Um, what these uh, headlines are talking about is a case that the Supreme Court has not yet agreed to take. In fact, the Supreme Court has not even officially been asked uh, to hear this case, but the confusion comes, and this is really sort of the two-way game of telephone. You know that old game where you sort of, uh, you know, somebody whispers in your ear, right, and then you're supposed to whisper the same thing to another person, you go down the lane, and then you finally figure it out, you know, you go through like, you know, 12, 14 people, and you ask that last person, okay, what did you hear? And they say something like, uh, you know, you, you got to go pick up dog food at the grocery store. And the first person actually said, uh, boy, I can really use a beer right now. Right. As 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 each person changes their story or hears that whisper and they change things just a little bit, all of a sudden now uh, you've got an entirely new story. So this I, I track this back to a piece at The New York Times. Justice Barrett's vote could tilt the Supreme Court on gun rights. For years, they write conservative justices have said that the court disfavors the Second Amendment. Justice Amy Coney Barrett is likely to shift the balance in a case to help her do so may be knocking. All right, maybe knocking. This is a case called uh, Folger. I'm probably going to butcher the name. We've talked about it on this program before. Uh, Lisa Folger uh, was convicted of tax evasion back in 2011. She would like to have her Second Amendment rights restored. She's been unable to do so. The Third Circuit recently ruled against Lisa Folger. And that means that the next stop for this case, would be the Supreme Court. Fulcher's attorneys can ask the Supreme Court to uh, hear this case, to to grant cert, uh, is the uh, the legal terminology. But they've not yet done so. Uh, And it doesn't really matter, apparently, to a lot of media outlets who have puffed up this case. I think largely based on a, a post by Jonathan Turley. And this was last week. I remember talking with Ed Morrissey about this during our uh, VIP Gold Live chat last Wednesday before Thanksgiving uh, because Ed had written a piece about this. And the reason why I think the media is fixated on this case is because you remember back during Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearings, one of the cases that she brought up specifically when she was asked about cases that, that she'd been involved in that, you know, she was most proud of decisions or opinions that she had issued. And she talked about a case called Cantor versus Barr. This, too, dealt with an individual who was prohibited by law from possessing a firearm, a guy named Ricky Cantor, who lost his Second Amendment rights when he was convicted of one count of mail fraud. Basically, he was selling 
shoe inserts that he said were Medicaid compliant, and they weren't. And Ricky Cantor was sentenced to a year and a day in federal prison, and as a result, suffered a lifetime deprivation of his right to keep and bear arms. Ricky Cantor had sued trying to get his rights back, and when Amy Coney Barrett was on the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, she was part of a three-judge panel that heard this case. Two of the judges said, sorry, Ricky, you're out of luck. Federal law is clear. You are a convicted felon. Therefore, you're barred from possessing firearms for the rest of your life. Amy Coney Barrett said, well, hang on one second. Not, not quite so fast. Because if you look at the history and the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms, it's pretty clear that the founders did not intend for a felony conviction uh, to be the standard by which individuals lost their right to keep and bear arms. Instead, she writes that the standard was dangerousness and that a simple felony conviction, particularly those for a nonviolent crime, does not automatically mean that somebody is dangerous. And so she would have afforded Ricky Cantor the opportunity to regain his right to keep and bear arms. Well, the Supreme Court decided not to hear that case. Uh, and the, there are a lot of similarities to the case of a Ricky Cantor and Lisa Folchar. That's fine. I mean, you could, you know, we can point this out and we can say, look, this is a case that uh, you know, Amy Coney Barrett might be uh, really inclined to, uh, to address. But that's kind of putting the card before the horse when you say that, oh, the Supreme Court is likely to take this case or this is the case that's the next big gun rights case. It's, it's not. In fact, this is not even this is not even the next felon in possession case that's going to come before the court. And what drives me crazy here is you've got folks who don't understand. It's not, let, me, let me backtrack a little bit. Some of these reporters may understand the Second Amendment, but they don't cover the Second Amendment on a daily basis. This is not their beat. And so they know what they know, but they don't know what they don't know. And what they know is that Jonathan Turley wrote about this case last week because now everybody's writing about the Fulcher case. What they don't know is that the Supreme Court on December 11th, is scheduled to hear in conference a case dealing with the loss of the right to keep and bear arms. This is a case called Torres versus the United States. And they're going to hear this before Folchar is even heard in conference. The Supreme Court is going to get a chance to weigh in as to whether or not they're going to accept the Torres case. Now, here are the facts in the Torres case. Israel Torres uh, is a... Um, Husband, father of three, in 2017, he kept a number of firearms in his home uh, where they were available for defense of himself and his family, according to his attorneys. But on February 16th of 2017, federal law enforcement agents entered Israel Torres' home, forcibly removed his firearms, and arrested him for having them. The uh, lawsuit filed by Israel uh, Torres says that the justification that the uh, agents used for disarming Mr. Torres was that 12 and 6 years earlier, he had been convicted of driving under the influence offenses. In 2004, he was convicted of aggravated DUI with a person under the age of 15 in the vehicle, which was a Class 6 undesignated felony under Arizona law. He was sentenced to one day in jail, 18 months probation, nine days suspended. Uh, a decade ago, in 2010, Torres was convicted of aggravated driving or actual physical control of a vehicle while under the influence of intoxicating liquor or drugs, which is a Class 4 felony under Arizona law, for which he was sentenced to eight months of imprisonment, followed by three years of probation. Uh, in light of these convictions, the attorneys say the government charged Mr. Torres with two counts, uh, including two different sets of firearms and dates of possession of violating U.S. Code Section 18 
922 G1, which provides that, quote, it shall be unlawful for any person who's been convicted in any court of a crime punishable by imprisonment for a term exceeding one year to possess a firearm. So Mr. Torres filed suit originally in U.S. District Court, uh, uh, arguing that this uh, section of law, as applied to him, violated his Second Amendment rights. And um, he has acknowledged that the uh, Heller decision described, quote, longstanding prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons as presumptively lawful. Uh, but his attorneys also argue that many circuit courts have found that the presumption is rebuttable in individual cases and have entertained as applied Second Amendment challenges to this section of federal law. In fact, they say that one circuit court has found merit and granted relief in two such challenges, a case called Binderup versus Attorney General from the Third Circuit in 2016. Mr. Torres further acknowledged that the Court of Appeals opinion in a case called U.S. versus Vongske uh, could also be read to preclude as applied Second Amendment challenges to the section of the law. But he argued that that case did not actually settle the issue and that if it did, it was wrongly decided. He also argued that his as-applied Second Amendment challenge has merit because his felonies were nonviolent and would not have historically resulted in the loss of his right to keep and bear arms. Again, the same argument that Ricky Kanner is using, or used, and the same argument that the attorneys for Lisa Folchiar uh, is arguing as well. And again, this case, <laughs> he is going to be heard in conference. He's already reached the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court hasn't granted cert in this case, but they're going to hear this case long before they hear the case of Lisa Fulcher. And yet, neither the New York Times story, the Vanity Fair story, the Daily Caller story, I don't even think the Justin, I don't think the, uh, the Jonathan Turley piece even mentioned the Torres case. So I, I'm annoyed a little bit this morning because you've got all of these media outlets reporting breathlessly, this is the case that Amy Coney Barrett could take. And I, I mean, it, it could be. Look, it could be. But there are other cases dealing with that exact same issue that have already reached the court that nobody's talking about because they don't know what they don't know. I'll, I'll even go further because I think that the court has the opportunity. Uh, this, this case is going to be heard, as I said, in conference on uh, December 11th uh, of this year. So it's coming up in just a couple of weeks. There is um, another case called uh, Hobbs versus the United States um, that uh, has not been distributed uh, for an upcoming conference, but it's at that level. So it could be going in uh, just a couple of weeks. So there are actually a couple of cases dealing with the, the deprivation of rights for those convicted of a felony that will get to the Supreme Court long before Fulcher. But even then, there's another question. You know, the, 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 the writing regarding the Fulcher case has typically, the narrative has gone something like this. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett thinks that felons be able to regain their rights. Here's a case in which a felon's asked him to regain his rights. Holy cow, this could be the next big case that uh, the Supreme Court takes. Well, it's not only up to Amy Coney Barrett, right? It takes four justices to agree to hear a case in conference. Obviously, it takes five justices in order to get a majority opinion. So we know that Amy Coney Barrett I think it's fair to assume that Amy Coney Barrett is interested in these types of cases and may uh, very well vote to accept one of these cases, uh, including the Torres case when it comes up in just a couple of weeks. Uh, Brett Kavanaugh has also expressed an interest while he was an appellate court judge uh, in issues like this. So you got, I think it's, I, I think it's fair to say that you likely have two votes to hear one of these cases. But do you have four? Do you have Justice Alito? Do you have Justice Thomas? 
Do you have Justice Roberts? I don't think you have Justice Roberts. Uh, and I'm not sure that Justice Thomas or Justice Alito are, are, are going to want to uh, pick this particular case uh, or a, a case dealing with the uh, loss of rights by convicted felons as the next Second Amendment challenge. And I think that a lot of this writing that we've seen here regarding the Fulcher case or the next big gun rights case that the Supreme Court's going to take, I think it's really putting the card before the horse. You know, the Fulcher case came out of the Third Circuit Court of Appeals, and I wrote about this, oh, I guess it was a few days ago. Uh, yeah, just about uh, four days ago. Another case out of the Third Circuit. Uh, New Jersey's magazine ban challenged in the Third Circuit Court of Appeals. And this case was recently denied an en banc review by the Third Circuit. So the next stop for that case is going to be asking the Supreme Court to grant cert. So it's quite possible that that case could actually be accepted by the court before the Fulcher case would be accepted. So again, also possible uh, that the uh, Hobbs case dealing with the uh, the loss of the uh, the right to keep and bear arms would be accepted before the Fulcher case. Now, again, why am I rambling on about this? Because I think it's important <laughs> that the folks who are covering these issues know a little bit about the issues, that they have some institutional knowledge in these stories and in the issues that they're covering. Uh, and you've got, I think, some bad information, uh, some misinformation, and, you know, again, just sort of blowing a story out of proportion while ignoring the other actual cases that could soon be before the court. Uh, Hobbs versus United States being one of them. Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs versus uh, Grewal. Uh, that's the magazine ban case. That, that could be going as well. Why focus on just this one particular case? And that, I think, we have to go back to that original report by the New York Times and the narrative that the New York Times and other anti-gun media outlets are trying to put in place. That, uh, oh my gosh, with Amy Coney Barrett on the bench, you know, get ready, because uh, we're going to see a tidal wave of these Second Amendment cases. I hope they're right, by the way. I really do. <laughs> I, 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 I keep my fingers crossed that the Supreme Court is not only going to accept a case dealing with the, uh, the, the loss of the right to keep and bear arms, but will again accept a case like Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs dealing with a magazine ban. Out of the Ninth Circuit, you also have a couple of other cases that are worth keeping an eye on. Um, they're not uh, at the same level right now as uh, a Fulcher or uh, Torres or the Association of New Jersey Rifle and Pistol Clubs case, but they're, they're, they're right behind. So you've got a case versus, uh, it's Young versus Hawaii. We've talked about this on the program before. This is a case dealing with the right to carry in Hawaii, specifically the right to openly carry. Uh, in the Ninth Circuit, they have a very tortured reading of the Second Amendment. Going back a few years, there was a case called Peruta versus San Diego, challenging California's May-issue concealed carry laws. Uh, Edward Peruta was a resident of San Diego, California. He applied for concealed carry license. The uh, sheriff there said, well, what, what's your good cause? And Edward Peruta said, well, you know, I, it's my right to carry. That, that's self-defense. Nope, not a good enough reason. So Edward Peruta sued. And ultimately, a three-judge panel of the Ninth Circuit said, yeah, Edward Peruta has a right to carry. In fact, law-abiding citizens in California have a right to carry. 
and these good cause requirements violate their constitutional rights by making it impossible for the average resident of California, or the average resident of San Diego anyway, to obtain a concealed carry license. Now, the state of California appealed that, asked for an en banc review in the Ninth Circuit. That review was granted. And the en banc review of the Ninth Circuit overturned that three-judge decision. And the en banc panel said, well, hang on, actually, no, there's nothing in the Second Amendment that says that you have a right to carry a concealed firearm. So even though California law also bans the open carry of firearms and the average citizen can't get a concealed carry license, we're not going to address the law in totality. We're only going to look at the concealed carry law. We're only going to look at the Constitution. And uh, you know what? Yeah, you've got a right to keep bare arms, but it doesn't say you've got a right to bear concealed firearms. So you don't have a right to carry concealed. Boom. End of story. All right. Well, a guy named George Young lives in Hawaii. And he decided, well, okay, if I can't, if I don't have a right to carry concealed, I, I must have a right to openly carry, right? I mean, we've got the right to keep, we've got the right to bear. Well, in Hawaii, in order for you to openly carry, you've got to get an open carry license, which has never been granted to a civilian. Sometimes an armed guard might get one, but just average resident can't get one. So George Young applied for his license. He was denied. And he sued. Three-judge panel in the Ninth Circuit said, uh, yeah, yeah, Mr. Young has a right to openly carry because, again, the Second Amendment says what it says. You've got the right to keep. You've got the right to bear. And if the Ninth Circuit has said you don't have the right to carry concealed, well, then you, you must have the right to openly carry. Now, state of Hawaii asked for an en banc review in the Ninth Circuit. That review was granted. Oral arguments were held back in September, and we're waiting on that en banc decision to come down from the Ninth Circuit. It, it could come down at any time. Uh, I think it is likely it'll be sometime in the next couple of months. I, I would be somewhat surprised if it came down before Christmas. Uh, but I think in the uh, new year, I, I think we're likely to see uh, that en banc decision from the Ninth Circuit in the Young case, a Kerry case. And once that decision comes down, the chances are pretty good that that case is going to go up to the Supreme Court. Uh, if the en banc panel of the Ninth Circuit rules that, uh, no, Mr. Young doesn't have the right to openly carry either, well, then Alan Beck, who's the attorney for uh, George Young, uh, will almost certainly take that case up to the Supreme Court and ask the Supreme Court for review. If, on the other hand, the Ninth Circuit comes back and says, okay, yeah, you've got the right to openly carry, you don't have the right to carry concealed, but you've got the right to openly carry, then it's going to get interesting because the state of Hawaii is going to have a decision to make. Do they accept that decision by the Ninth Circuit? which, uh, uh, again, would apply not just in Hawaii, but in California, Oregon, Washington State, uh, Nevada, Arizona. Do they accept that? Which would change the law dramatically, uh, particularly in, you know, in a state like California, where open carry is banned for 40 million residents there. Or would they appeal that case up to the Supreme Court knowing that it was likely that uh, the, the, the makeup of the Supreme Court uh, would not rule in Hawaii's favor, would strike down their, uh, their, their open carry laws, uh, and would um, you know, ensure that the right to bear arms actually means something. That's going to be a decision that the state of Hawaii may have to reckon with, but this is another case that could uh, very easily get to the Supreme Court in the next couple of months. So in, in other words, and in short, it's just it's, it's too simplistic to look at the Fulcher case 
and and proclaim as the New York Times has proclaimed that aha, this is the case that the Supreme Court is likely to take. Um, it it's again for the reasons I've laid out. I'm not sure that that's the case. The Supreme Court, if it really wants to address the issue of felons in possession, they've got a case before it right now called Torres versus the United States. They could agree to hear. In fact, again, they're going to be hearing this. They're going to be studying this uh, uh, and, and debating this case in conference starting on December 11th. So I, I just I want to point this out in part because I want you to have the actual facts, but in part because I also want to ding the media for bad reporting on this issue. The, the issue is much more complex than uh, the, the simplistic narrative that the New York Times put forth, and that was picked up and repeated by uh, far too many uh, media outlets out there. All right, let's get to today's Armed Citizen story. Our uh, good deed of the day, our recidivist report as well. We will start there, uh, as a matter of fact, with a, a case out of uh, Wilmington, North Carolina. I believe this is Wilmington, North Carolina. No, I guess this is Wilmington, Ohio. Yeah. Corey Ruffner. Uh, recently convicted in a shooting death. Uh, already back out on the streets and already back in trouble, according to uh, authorities. He's scheduled for a probation revocation hearing on December 8th in Clinton County Common Pleas Court, uh, done after discovering that uh, Ruffner had allegedly texted, uh, tested positive for oxycodone and allegedly admitted to ingesting a Percocet tablet for which he had no prescription. Back in September, Ruffner pleaded guilty to one count of involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of 23-year-old Lane Hall back in January. The uh, judge in that case originally sentenced Ruffner to two years of community control, so basically two years of probation, ordering that he wear a GPS tracking device. He was also required to follow all house arrest rules, not leave his residence without appropriate supervision or permission, and take part in a uh, community services program for six months. During sentencing in October, uh, the judge referenced Ruffner's compliance with the law enforcement investigation as to why he did not receive any jail time. So that was October. Uh, And then about a month later, uh, Ruffner again tested positive for illegal drug use. And now, um, now apparently, you know, again, there's a a probation revocation hearing. But I I don't know that he's actually going to get anything other than another slap on the wrist. He was one of four suspects charged in relation to Hall's death. Uh, Two others pled guilty to involuntary manslaughter. One of them received a two-year prison sentence. Another received three years of probation. Uh, The uh, fourth suspect, 18-year-old Joshua Williams, now faces charges of using a firearm in connection with a crime of violence and a drug possession with intent to distribute in uh, federal court. A trial there expected to begin in uh, February of next year. Our uh, armed citizen story of the day from Redlands, California, (laughs) where a burglar who tunneled into an office. Yeah, I love this story. Burglar who tunneled into an office um, picked the wrong place to try to break into. Because as it turns out, that office was occupied and the uh, business owner actually was armed. Yeah, according to the uh, Fresno Bee, police responding to a burglar alarm early on Monday morning in Redlands, California at a property management building couldn't find any signs of a break-in. 
But when the uh, business owner arrived about five o'clock in the morning to check things out, he found somebody inside. Turns out the intruder had actually tunneled through a wall from an adjacent office and then rushed the business owner. As the business owner opened the door, the owner opened fire with a handgun, wounding the man. 37-year-old Clemente Wilson Valenzuela suffered a gunshot wound to the chest, a last report in critical condition. Police say they've been investigating a series of recent burglaries in the area. No charges have been filed against the business owner. I know that this is California, but um, this also would appear to be a pretty clear-cut case of self-defense. So I don't expect that any charges will be filed in that case. Although we'll certainly keep an eye open for uh, any updates there. And uh, finally today, our good deed of the day from Branchville, Indiana, a volunteer firefighter and a corrections officer at the Branchville Correctional Facility is being honored for his life-saving actions. Uh, Officer Kyle McGann was visiting with his daughter on the night of October 29th. He was off duty. He's hanging out with his daughter uh, at an apartment when they both heard the sound of a smoke detector coming from uh, a nearby apartment. They tried to get a response from people inside, but there was no answer. And so ultimately, McGann and a uh, officer from uh, the Jasper, Indiana Police Department forced their way inside that residence where they found an unresponsive man lying on a sofa. They were able to get the man out of the apartment. They were able to evacuate other residents in the building as the fire department arrived. And uh, now, Officer McGann, presented with a certificate for bravery, as well as a commissioner's coin by the uh, warden of the Branchville Correctional Facility, Kathy Alvey, as well as the fire chief there in Branchville, Indiana, Jimmy Vincent. So in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Officer McCann, we thank you, sir, for your very good deed. All right, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. I think as well, we're going to be doing another VIP Gold Live chat with our friend Ed Morrissey from Hot Air. Uh, again, last week we were actually talking about that Second Amendment case, the uh, the Fulcher case. Who knows what Ed has up his sleeve, but uh, it's your opportunity to really you know, ask any question that's on your mind, uh, anything that, uh, you know, any, any upcoming cases or legislation, uh, you know, election leftovers, we are happy to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Uh, all you have to do, subscribe, become a VIP Gold member. You can use the promo code LOYALTY, all caps, and get 25% off your uh, membership to Town Hall Media. We certainly do appreciate your support. And uh, we look forward to talking to you tomorrow on the VIP Gold Live Chat, as well as tomorrow's Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company.